welcome to the Risen Falling Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Hendrickson. I'm here with John Katz today. Uh, we're just going to jump straight into the conversation. Um, for those of you that don't really know uh, who John is, John, why don't you kind of just introduce yourself, tell people who you are and what you're all about and where they can find you. Absolutely. My name is John Katz, a.k.a. NYC Foodways, a.k.a. Foodways Coaching. I'm an online coach based out of New York City, New York. And uh, Mark and I connected to a shared energy alignment around trying to help folks that are not doing too well. And that's what I do every day. Uh, you can find me at NYC Foodways on YouTube and Instagram. Yeah, man. And I, I really like your content, man. You post a lot of real stuff that um, I connect with a lot. Um, what kind of motivated you to start kind of posting the content that you post and kind of sharing your story the way that you do? Yeah, I mean, for me, it all comes down to being honest. And I lived an extremely dishonest life for an extremely long time. Started drinking at 14, smoking weed not too long after. Harder drugs were a part of my life for 20 years. And, you know, it had the effect that drugs do, alcohol as well, of course, and all the expectations of things that we're supposed to do with our lives, which are pretty low expectations. And that brought me to a low, low point at the age of 34. I had just gotten out of a relationship. It ended rough. The, there was a lot of things going on that were not right in the relationship. And after that relationship ended, I went headfirst into the drugs, alcohol, overeating, sleeping around spiral to escape myself and escape my pain, pain that had been unresolved from other things going on in my life. And one thing led to another. And after months of that, all the things kind of caught up with me, compounded, folded in on themselves. And it left me, it left me near death. I mean, my, I was at the pit of suicide. That's really what it was. I was, driven through my own thoughts, energy, and action to the pit of suicide, right to the brink. And it was at that point that I decided that my life was worth living and I'd turn it around. That was a little more than two years ago, January of 2021. And since then, uh, through a program of personal development that I live and now teach, I have created a completely different person on the other side. And that's where the content comes in. The content that I'm creating is briefing my former self and parts of myself that I see in others, people that are struggling with the same things that I struggled with. Uh, to try to be better, do better, and live better. Yeah, man. I, I, um, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of differences, but I'm sure there's a lot of similarities as well within our stories. Because I, I, uh, went through a similar path of drugs and alcohol abuse and kind of escaping pain. Why do you think? Um, do you think it's kind of like just a man's problem, or do you think that all people do this? Like, what? Why do you think that we do this? This escapism into substance abuse because pain used to be something that our species treated with positive affirmations. The role of a typical religious or spiritual force in one's life was just assumed. There would be generally be, when the groups were small, you know, towns, villages, or even bands, tribes, there would be some number of people that were ordained as leaders, as spiritual teachers, as healers, as religious figures, and that's where you went. There were these practices that we evolved. I mean, human culture used to ferment organically, naturally, over hundreds and thousands of years. All of that was taken away from us, but the pain remained. You know, Being conscious is a painful act. Being aware of what's going on in the world is automatically painful because there is pain in the world. In a sense, the beings, we understand that. The pain remained through our species evolution, but what was removed was the way for us to deal with that pain holistically. And it was replaced with how to deal with that pain through consumption, consumption of alcohol, consumption of drugs, whether they be illicit or prescribed, which is another beast, uh, the consumption of time spent with others. Like, I don't know how you dealt with like the whole dating and 
dating apps and all that interpersonal stuff, but that's soul destroying in and of itself. And that's why our stories are similar. And I think everyone carries this to some degree. We are not given a healthy way to process our pain, period. We had tribes, we had bands, we had groups. It was replaced with a nuclear family structure that is not equipped. Two people are not equipped to raise one person, period. They, had, they hadn't been. 99.9% of our species history was a group relationship building and group raising of kids and group processing of pain through spiritual alignment and all of these things that are based on the group connection. And that group connection was severed. I mean, if you've ever been to New York City or even Vancouver, any large city, there's no one more atomized. There's no one more split up and split off from the group than someone that lives in a massive agglomeration like New York City. Yeah. And why do you think it is that people like can be in such a populated, dense area like that? Like, I mean, Vancouver is nothing compared to New York. I think the population is I don't even know what the population of each one is, but I know that New York's got to be way more because, I mean, just like the state of California has the same population of our entire country. So I feel like your city's got to be way bigger. It's the one of the most densely populated cities in the world, from what I understand. Like, why do you think it is that people can be in such a populated, like dense area and still feel so disconnected from the people around them? Because alienation is not about proximity. It's about connection. I don't know most of my, or I'm learning them now because I just moved to a new place. But for the longest time, I didn't know my neighbor's names. This is by design. This is where alienation comes from. And there's nothing to do with proximity. In fact, Mark, I feel closer to you in a very real way than I do to a lot of people that I've known for years years that I've spent tons of time with at the bar, at the club, at the rave, whatever, people that probably at one point considered me to be their friend, people that I've done drugs or drank with or whatever, that I spent a lot of close proximity with, but the connection is not there. There's a level of alienation that comes with close proximity around negative things. I think a lot of things that occur in our lives are inherently negative. So even if we're in you know, close proximity, if there's something proximal there, it doesn't create a connection. And this is the beauty of social media. This is the beauty of online connection is that's based on alignment. That's based on energy connection, not based on proximity. Vancouver and New York City are quite far away, but we are able to connect in that way. And that is the, that's the difference is that when you are in close proximity with people and you are not walking a similar path of energy alignment, of spiritual alignment, it doesn't matter how long you spend with them. It doesn't matter how close you are physically. They hate you. Like this is something I realized that the old saying with friends like that, you know, who needs enemies, you know, a lot of people that I, I spent a lot of time with, they must have hated me. Who else would hand you a bag of cocaine unless they hated you? Who else would hand you a bottle of whiskey unless they hated you? Or maybe they hated themselves. So that, that, those are my thoughts on being close to people, but far away. Now I can't think of anyone that I'm farther away from than someone that would be interested in having me do drugs with them or drink with them or, you know, engage in any of these disgusting behaviors with them dude that is powerful i've i have i haven't heard <clears throat> sorry excuse me i haven't heard that analogy before but thinking back to uh some of the friendships and the relationships that i had that were so toxic it's like uh you know why would somebody add those things to your life unless they were wanting you know either consciously or subconsciously to ruin your life it, a thousand percent yeah, I mean, you know, misery loves company and anyone that's doing those things is either miserable in and of the moment or is attempting to escape misery by drinking whiskey, let's say. You know, the alcohol is the most common one. It's the most readily accessible poison on the market. So let's just stick with alcohol. So they are miserable and wish you to become miserable by passing the bottle 
or they are miserable and wish to feel, perceive themselves as less miserable in the moment by drinking the alcohol, despite the fact that drinking alcohol just compounds misery for all parties involved. Um, but that's, that's what it is. That's why people do it. And, and it's good. You go to the club, there's a couple hundred other people destroying themselves. You go to the bar, there are a couple dozen other people destroying themselves. You go to the house party, there's a dozen people destroying themselves. And it's an idea that this is camaraderie. This is the socialization aspect. This is what it means to be a part of the group, right? You're in the group, Mark, you're, you're going to drink with us. I, I can't tell you how many times, why don't you come drinking with the boys? You're not going to have a drink with the boys. And I was weak then. So I did. And it made me weaker. And it made the boys weaker. But hey, at least we were all doing this thing together. I mean, it's, it is absurd to say that there's somehow some union, some community in the mass poisoning of self when the real community is the mass healing of self, the community that doesn't matter how far away, as long as we're engaging the activity. People think just because you're doing something with someone else, you're somehow close to them. If we're both destroying ourselves, we're not close to the other person or ourselves. We hate ourselves. It's absurd. And I just, I refused to deal with any of that anymore. I don't partake in any of that. And there are so many people from my past life that I just will never, unless they're interested in walking the path of healing. And man, then my door is open. Absolutely. Let's build, let's work. You know, let's respect each other. Let's respect ourselves. You want to change your ways? You want to kick the coke habit? You want to kick the booze habit? You want to stop sleeping around? You know, you want to get fit, which is just the big thing that I've seen your discussions on physical fitness, mental fitness, that's a thousand percent alignment on that. Then in that case, of course, I'll work with anyone. I'll talk to anyone. My door is always open to anyone interested in healing. And it's closed to anyone interested in destroying me along with them. I, I don't I don't partake in any of that for one second. I love that, man. I love that. I, I feel in absolute alignment with that. I've uh I, I've discussed this a couple of times, but I developed this like tactic of like whenever my friends ask me to hang out, they're like, Hey, you wanna hang out? Do you wanna get together? I always ask them, What do you what do you plan on doing? What are what are your intentions? Like what are we going to do when we hang out? It's like my filtering system. I'm like if we're just going to sit around and smoke weed and watch movies, I'm not really interested, man. Like I I'm, if you want to go catch a workout, if you want to go do a yoga class, if you want to stretch, if you want to just chat about things like that, that we're going through or have some productive conversation, or you want to sit down and talk business, like anything like that, I'm in. But if it sounds like destructive, I like the word that you use destructive. Like if it's like, if we're just going to sit around and smoke weed and watch TV, I'm I'm not really interested, man. Like I, I I'm not down for that. Absolutely. I mean, along this path, it creates a lot of gray areas, but then it also creates some binaries. And I think there are there is a binary about activity. The binary is construction or destruction. Period. There are activities that build us, and there are activities that destroy us. There's not. You can't really put like if you're if you have a glass of water and there's a little drop of cyanide in it, it doesn't mean that it's good. It's like it's like training. Yeah, it, it doesn't make any sense. You can't really be building if you if you carry that little bit of you. And that's that's why I think it takes it takes all of us to create this new us. There there can't be anything. There's no legacy of my past life and myself and what whatever legacy I feel in myself, that's who I'm screaming at when I make my content is trying to purge the rest of it out of me and to make sure that I'm holding myself against my former self to never entertain any of that. And no, I don't have time to smoke weed and watch movies. Are you serious? Like this is a matter of life and death. First, it was my life. It was my life or my death. And now that there are other people involved, yeah, my life is far too serious for any of that frivolity. The partying and all the nonsense, absolutely not. And it starts with an early wake up. Like that's the other thing. Like, 
by definition, if you are waking up early and you are training every day and you are watching what you eat, which are the three tenets of my program, you can't be going to the club. You can't be destroying yourself. So people often ask me, hey, how does this work to change my life? How am I going to stop drinking? Well, if you're doing these things, you actually can't do the other thing. So it makes it very clear. You walk this path of alignment through simple habits, and then you can't walk the misalignment destructive path. It's not about, it's not about doing more. It's about taking away the negative stuff by replacing it with this positive stuff and and people that are destroying themselves with drugs alcohol meaningless hookups and just nonsense garbage they can't they don't they can't comprehend that yeah i absolutely agree i want to get into um some of the the uh, routines and some of those things as well with you um but you said something interesting i wanted to ask you about and you were saying that this uh like the the state of society right now like the normalization of drugs and alcohol and partying and kind of, you said, living frivolously, I would say like wasting our lives. Um, you said that that's kind of like by design. Is that something like you truly believe? Is that something that you think is is coming down the pipeline for us? And like, why do you think that is? Like, why is that by design? So I don't believe that there is a particular designer. I don't believe, like a lot of people would say there's a cabal of sketchy individuals that are pulling the strings. But I would say in order to create maximum profit, in order to create which is essentially maximum pain for a lot of people. In order to create maximum profit, the idea is to prey upon human natural weakness. So the weakness for pleasure, the weakness for certain certain type of food, the weakness for uh, the desire for flesh, you know, all that stuff. And people, you know, by I guess it is really by design. But when people say by design, you know, there's often you know twelve cloaked individuals, you know, in a UN bunker that are drawing out this scheme for world domination. I'm not saying that. I'm talking about People who have been granted power through various forms. I, I'll just break it down to you very, very clearly. Large business interests, multinational corporations, and world governments are essentially the same group. And they are all interested in remaining in power, as, as it would make sense, because they do have a lot of power. In order to do that, they need to make sure that the people that they oversee are weak. So we have been made, humans have been made weak in order to keep a number of people in power. And so, yes, I do believe it is by design. I do believe that food is engineered to be addictive. And there's not a conspiracy theory. There's a great book uh, called The Omnivore's Dilemma by Michael Pollan. And there's a lot of other research around it that food is now, it's moved from food to describing, it's being described as food product. It's a classification that a lot of food, it's not even food anymore, it's food product. And this is designed literally, and this, you know, by a number of people to be addictive, right? So then you have prescription drugs that are created by design to make the user reliant on them. So then you have a system built around that. Um, then you have apps, dating apps, let's say, that are designed, you know, they're created by design to allow for the maximum number of hookups and sexual partners and all of that. So all of these things are by design, creating a society by design that preys on humans' natural predilection towards pleasure, towards all of these things. So that's what I say, but, you know, our, you know, our society is by design set up to make us weak. I, I completely believe that when, when our species move from more rural, pastoral, agrarian, multi-generational, multi-family uh, living and working units to uh, groups in cities like New York City, and I happen to be on the LES, which is the old textile uh, district, maybe the, it was the main textile district of the country about 100 years or so, uh, they were stripped of their power. You know, when you live in a certain area among multiple generations, you can create your own, you know, you can weave your own clothes, let's say, you can grow your own food, you can do a lot of things for self using, so Mark, you're good at, let's just say, ironworking. John, I'm good at gardening. Well, we can work together in order to do that. You're put in a city, 
You're not going to be able to iron worker unless you can sell your labor. You're not going to be able to grow food because you live on asphalt. And this is you know, sort of by design. The city is designed to extract labor from people and, you know, take away their power. And, and, uh, and yeah, that's, uh, that, that's a deeper dive than, you know, your standard tinfoil conspiracy theorist is going to say that there's a, you know, you know, the you all, everyone watching, you know, the deal. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about specific aspects of our culture that are designed to keep us powerless, to keep other people in power and control over us, to take away our power, to do stuff like this. There you have it, folks. John's hat has a lot less tinfoil than mine does. That's for sure. I I I love your explanation though, man, because uh, it 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 basically explains the tinfoil hat conspiracies in a very rational way. Like <laughs> it's a very rational, realistic way of looking at it. Because even the guys with the tinfoil hats can't explain it that way. They can't explain it that way. I appreciate that a lot, man, because that kind of. Uh, it makes me feel a lot less crazy for some of the things that I think about and some of the things I believe in. I do, I do agree with you that I think it is by design. I think there is personally some nefarious people out there that, uh, that do prey on, on people. And I like the way that you explain that, how they prey on our weaknesses and what we are mm, most susceptible to fall into. Right. I guess is the best way to say it. Like um, the addiction of, you know, sex, gambling, substances, food, um, sloth, just sitting around and just kind of, you know, hitting that dopamine button. That's the way I look at it is like hitting the dopamine button and getting that quick fix of like feel good fucking drug and energy and, and uh, not have to work for it to just sit in our in our homes and just like find a dopamine button and press it until it doesn't work and then look for a new dopamine button and press it until it doesn't work until we die. Like that's that's the way I think that you know we're kind of pushed to live nowadays and that's why I I, I listen to uh Andy Frazilla's podcast often and one of the things that he talks about on that podcast is um personal development and personal excellence is the ultimate rebellion against that. 1000% to be the living example of a solid individual that doesn't hit the dopamine button, even though he could, that doesn't do all of the things, even though he could is, is the ultimate time. That's essentially the only thing I look at in a person. The only thing I look at in a person as a judge of character is their ability and or willingness to avoid hitting the dopamine button because it's everywhere. It is everywhere. And yeah, it, it is, it's the only thing that differentiates us. I don't care what anyone else has and what they have in this sphere about avoiding hitting the dopamine button. I can tell in 20 seconds. That's something else. That's, that's something that's great about New York. You walk down, I, I live on Allen street. It's the main thoroughfare on the lower East side. You walk down Allen street for five minutes. You can see 500 different types of pain and probably five individuals, maybe that are walking a de decent path. Maybe. So yeah, that dopamine button is, is everywhere. And it is, you know, the commitment to self, preservation and excellence amongst this that's what that's why walking this path today is so powerful because we are beset on all sides by this temptation and to resist it now is the greatest accomplishment a man can do because it's everywhere it's everywhere and it started to they want to invade every space physical digital space with this stuff and you can summon anything with a click of a button and it's up to us to not do it so i agree with fidel on that point 100 percent yeah, I um, have you read the book Dopamine Nation? 
No, but I should. It sounds it sounds like an apt descriptor for our nation. Yeah, it's a it's a book I'm I'm currently reading. I'm like three quarters of the way through it, and it's it it perfectly explains like from a bunch of different kind of uh, perspectives and stories of of uh, how people get caught up in addiction and uh, of like behavioral addiction or substance addiction and just this one doctor's perspective on all of these different things. And um, yeah, I couldn't recommend it enough, man. It's one of the best books that I've read recently. That's uh, about this kind of topic. Um, so w when you, you were saying last year, um, actually, before I get into that, sorry, my mind's, uh, I've, I've got one of those ADHD minds. It jumps all over the place, man. But I, let's uh, get you some let's get you some prescription drugs so you can make that your excuse please, why you can't why you please. can't work out i've gotten that one twice in the past two weeks twice i got so i get every excuse under the sun it's a, it's a just part of what i do and i've gotten that one twice is that these people are unwilling to change their lives because they have the condition you just described and that somehow prevents them from not destroying themselves every day Dive into it, my friends. That's what I say. I dive into it, man. I, I was a medicated. I was a heavily medicated person, um, both self-medicated and prescription medication. And, uh, dude, I, I can go off on ADHD as well, because I think that that's one of the driving forces of what I, the way that I live my life. Like ADHD gives me the ability to hyper focus on things that I, I get interested in. And um, it's also a training tool. To when I feel distracted to catch myself being distracted and to bring myself back on task. And it's kind of like an internal battle. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's kind of like an internal battle. It's, it's, it actually makes life more interesting and more fun, man. And, uh, I, I, I really do, uh, love the fact that I have it, but it, it makes conversations a lot more fun as well. I was thinking back before I wanted to, to, to dive into a little bit more about your story. I wanted to ask you earlier as well. You were saying that, um, you were saying that, you know, through our evolution and our experience as human beings, like we've always kind of grown up in communities. We've had like kind of religious factors. We've had kind of like shamans, we've had different spiritual teachers, and that was kind of what helped us get through some of the adversities that we faced, the pain that we faced, um, was having kind of a spiritual or a religious um, background or do, like, I don't know if you do or not. Uh, was that part of your journey of healing some of the trauma that you've been through? Absolutely. I mean, I did not grow up in a particularly religious family. I did not grow up in a particularly religious tradition, but I essentially rejected all religion and all spirituality um, during my adolescence. And this was extremely damaging. In rejecting the connection to the unknown, I found that I sort of rejected my connection to the known. Like I severed myself intentionally just because I was carrying weight and resentment against everything and everyone. And that included people of faith, it included my own faith, it included the esoteric faith that were all a part of just human connection, spiritual connection, universal connection. And in walking this path, I've become deeply connected to the universal force that binds us, that the system, that the society would also love to tell us doesn't exist. So that has been a major, maybe the major fact. One cannot be abundant. One cannot be gratitude grateful for their life if one is not abundant to the universe one is not grateful to the universe or else what would be motivating us the same thing that motivates everyone all the zombies on the street pleasure, pleasure button. Hit, hitting the button it's one of two things you're either motiv motivated from the eternal by the eternal or you're motivated by the temporary i said this recently people are not 
thankful. They're not grateful to the cosmos and they wonder why they don't feel any cosmic gratitude. They're only, they desire the moment and they get the moment in the return. When you walk a particular path of healing, of self-love, of, of personal development, you are grateful to the cosmos and you receive cosmic blessings in return. When I finish my workout after an early wake up, I'm, I, it's, it's transcendent. Dude, I've, I've done every drug short of the needle and there is no high known. I'll put my word on that to everyone watching who's been to Burning Man. I went twice. So don't talk to me about drug use. There is no high in the world that comes after weeks and months of solid programming, early wake up, followed by a workout. Don't tell me there's anything better because I've done everything short of the needle. Nothing gets one in spiritual alignment, self-love, self-perseverance, all of the positive things like that, clean living, the way that we used to live. Why do you think those dudes? So I come from, I was raised in uh, Jewish faith. My parents are Jewish. My grandparents are Jewish. Back in the days, the people that minded the temple, they lived there and they were up extremely early because they had to get the fires lit. They had to get, why do you think they did that? It was like their calling to to be devoted to this thing greater themselves. It wasn't about them. They were up early lighting the fires and cleaning the temple because everyone needed that in their lives. All of the, the group needed that in their lives. If you look at holy people today in various faiths, they're all up early. They're all devoted to a spiritual practice and they all don't desire the same bullshit that is part of the humdrum everyday life. So yes, thank you for asking that because it's been a massive part. It would be impossible for me to do this without some connection to the divine, without some connection to our creator. And I don't want to put a religious, particular religious thing to it, because all the religions are essentially saying the same thing, really. Love thyself, love thy neighbor. There is something greater than you that you cannot understand because it is greater than you. So try to understand yourself and perhaps you'll receive a connection. And man, oh, that's been a massive part. And interestingly, since I've been walking this path, I actually have re-entered my traditional religious faith to some degree. I attended a number of uh, Shabbat services, the Friday night service, the most important service. Interestingly, folks of Muslim faith, Friday night service is also the, the most important. Funny how that works. Uh, I attended those services a number of times since getting healthy. And, and I mean, I damn near started crying, you know, the first few times just because the connection is so powerful. It's so real. And it's, just shows that what the drugs do is try to synthetically replicate what is naturally there. The connection that I used to feel at the rave on a shitload of mushrooms, drunk off my ass on pills, is just a faked, brief, false version of the connection that I, I have felt after working out or at synagogue or even on a call like this, a real connection built around love and universal oneness, not some bullshit cooked up in a lab. Thank you for asking that. That's a massively important question for me. Yeah, I um, I appreciate that answer a lot. I, I I'm happy with. Uh, I also have some personal bias, so I'm happy that you answered the way that you did, because uh, it was a big like I'd say like some of the two biggest factors for me, like I I had the fitness down pat throughout my whole life. Like I was always kind of active and and working hard. Um, the waking up early, I had to work for as well. But getting sober and then exploring my spirituality, like starting to go to church and starting to understand, you know, what God is, what this universe is and like why we're here. Um, those were kind of the biggest two catalysts, like getting sober and getting a bit more spiritual were uh, the biggest catalysts for me in terms of actually like 
finding purpose in the suffering that I had and understanding like these are stories that go back years and years and years, like millennia of human beings going through adversity and facing obviously different adversities. Like when you're reading the old Testament of the Bible or, or anything like that, like completely different adversities than we're dealing with like enslavement for hundreds of years or having to wander the wilderness for 40 years in the desert, like those types of things that happened to them are completely different than the journeys that we walk today. But there is direct parallelism in, in the idea of, you know, a feeling of hopelessness, a feeling of betrayal, a feeling of like, why, why do I have to go through this? Why? Like, I thought I was being good. I thought I was being loyal. Why am I going through this? Like, what, why, where's my reward? And, um, that, that feeling you know, it's something that I've connected to a lot more recently in the last years after studying kind of uh, the Bible again, like I, I'm, I'm running through the old Testament right now and it's, man, it's dark. It's dark. <laughs> it's God commanded the God commanded uh, human sacrifice. I mean, the old Testament, the, the book of my people is extremely dark. It's extremely brutal. There are real consequences for all negative actions. Pharaoh enslaved, the Jews. Ultimately, it caused the death of every firstborn male Egyptian. Pain begets pain. Enslavement begets enslavement. Bloodshed begets bloodshed. These are the rules that this world needs to abide by. Could you imagine people would watch their ass, watch their ass so much more if there were real lived consequences for their fuckery? I'm down with the God of the Old Testament. That dude was extremely brutal. Extremely brutal. And even though the guys, Job, I guess, foremost among them that continue to have these tests, the lesson was the real test is not the test. The real test is how you react to the test. And what you're describing is very apt, the why me type thing. And I would also say, and, and I'll give you the, the, the Jewish card on this, that, that even though it feels like the tests of the Old Testament might not be on the same level of ours, they are connected, you know, enslavement for hundreds of years. How many years were you enslaved to drugs and alcohol? How many years? Were, maybe that was our enslavement. Maybe our wandering was the period of time before we got clean. Maybe that was our time in the desert. Um, so I'll grant you that one. You're welcome. You're welcome to say that. <laughs> you I love that, that you, man. Yeah, it's real, dude. It's real. They had the same pain we do, but they just dealt with it in a different way by telling stories, by writing this down. What are these legends? These are things that they put down to help Jews and non-Jews alike later on that were walking in the desert, that were dealing with self-enslavement, that were, you know. But yeah, that the the God of, of the Old Testament is very, very, very serious. There are serious repercussions. If you live a sinful life, you will have a sinful death. If you hurt other people, you will be harmed dearly. There are serious consequences for your actions, and I'm down with that. Believe me, I'm down with that because I paid for those consequences. I fucked my life up for 20 years and had 20 years of pain. So I think it's pretty even. You know, I healed myself just over two years ago, and I've had just over two years of healing. It's interesting how that works, right? It's a very Old Testament way of thinking about things, an eye for an eye. I'm game with that. These people out here in the, the contemporary era, they think that they can just do whatever they want forever and have no consequences. And that's what people are running from. That's the thing that I've noticed most on this path is that everyone is running from something or they're running to something. Either we're running to healing through our pain 
we are running from our pain to some garbage, even if that garbage is ignoring it, being in denial. Like I have people that I'm close to that are extremely advanced age that will die with the pain that you and I both are, that we all received. They will die. They will leave this earth never having healed themselves. And that's, that's one of the, my main driving forces in coaching myself and coaching others is that I know that if I'm unable to get through to you, the metaphoric you, you are going to die with your pain intact. I can't think of a darker future. You live 75, 85, 90 years, and you never heal. You just carry that weight for so long. That's why old people are miserable. Straight up. This is a NYC Foodways coaching original. I've never heard anyone say this. Old people are so miserable, not because age begets misery, just because they've carried their pain for longer. Period. So unless one wants to die with their pain intact, you have to run to healing through the pain. And that's often people don't want that. They want to keep being in pain and like spreading pain, the divorce and the freaking out around their kids. And then their kids get the pain. Like it's because they're too weak and too scared to work through it. It's crazy. Yeah. And it's like, why would I feel that pain when we're in a world of such quick uh, pleasure and desire? Like, it's like, well, I can sit down with a journal or I can sit down and have a tough conversation or I could, you know, pop a top on a bottle of beer and just sit back and watch sports or watch Netflix. Like there's a football game on, I can watch that. Like, why would I go through that pain? Why would I go to a counseling session or do some therapy or do a workout when I could just feel good? Like, why would I wake up early when I could sleep in? And then there comes like all the justifications we use of like, oh, my body needs the rest. Oh, I need to relax. Oh, I deserve this treat. It's laughable. Oh, you're busting on. You sound like a lot of people. I talk to. The excuses are unceasing, but we don't make excuses. The excuses make us weak. Like that's people. Every time I hear someone making an excuse, I'm like, all right, well, that just made you into a more of a loser than you need to be. Like, that's what an excuse does. It makes us, it molds us. You know, the creator made us in his own image, right? So when we make excuses, you know, we are making these things in our own image. And we are, if we're excusing our behavior, then we are creating excuses for our low-level behavior on our level. And it's just there but for the grace of God go I. It's so triggering to me because I used to say the same things. I was at the same places looking at the sober people with the same weird look, even though I was 40 pounds overweight, goggle-eyed, totally fucked up out of my head, trying to hook up with someone I didn't care about. Like, there but for the grace of God go we. I only speak like this because I know what it's like to be on the other side, and I know how much pain is attached to that, and I won't back down from speaking the truth. That's the other thing. People, I know people in your life the same way. They want us to lie to them. That's another trip. Like, if, if you know 100 people and 99 of them lie to you, then you want the 100th to lie to you as well. But if the 100th tells you the truth, then you're going to feel some type of way about him. But you're cool with the 99 people lying because then you get to lie to them. And you get to say that, okay, your behavior is good. All right, let's just all tell each other that all of our behavior is okay so we don't have to face up to the fact that we're running from some pain from our childhood. Okay, cool. Let's do that for 80 years. Then we can all die feeling unloved. Great. I love the way you say it, man. I love the way you say it. I mean, it's what it is. And it, a fractal, the mathematical pattern is a self-same repeating pattern. At any level that you look at it, it looks identical. And the fractal pattern has often spoken to me since getting healthy. I now understand it to be a representation of 
pain, that the pain of the individual mirrors the pain of the group, which mirrors the pain of the species, which mirrors the pain of the universe. And people unwilling or unable to understand that and acknowledge that, as I was, are going to be stuck in the same loop. But all this stuff is fractal-based. It's all the same. Your path, my path, the path of the ancients, the path of everyone else is the same. It's the way we choose to walk it. If we choose to walk it narcotized, do we choose to walk it clear-minded? Do we choose to walk it uh, extremely overweight as I was. I urge everyone watching to check out my before picture. That person had all the problems. Everything that I'm hating on now, that person had it. Do we choose to walk it overweight? Do we choose to walk it fit? Do we choose to walk it lazy? Or do we choose to walk it active? Do we choose to walk it in connection? Or do we choose to walk it having been severed from each other? And that's what it is. This is a fractal of life. It's all of these same patterns repeating itself at every level. And it's just about the viewer's willingness to be honest about it. So the 99 people lying to you, Fuck them. They want the worst for you. I will be the one person to tell you the truth, and I want the best for you. Yeah, I love that. Even even that has biblical ties as well. But um, I mean, I could go in on that stuff all day. I I uh really have this year been diving deep into uh reading more spiritual texts and understanding it a lot more. And the more I read it, the more I'm like. I can't believe I neglected this for so long. I, like you, was like, uh, I think around the age of 10, I decided there wasn't a God. That was when, <laughs> that was when I was like, I, I think um, it was like the first time I dealt with uh, the loss of a family member that I love dearly. And I was like, if there was a God, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have to deal with this. And, and I decided at that point, like, it's not real. And I remember saying to myself, like, I, I would even go so morbidly in, 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 into spots where I'd be like, man, I believe that there's not a God so much that if there is a God, let him like spite me for this. Like, let him smite me for for me not believing in him. And I would proclaim it so loudly because I was just like in so much pain for such a long time in my life that uh, I didn't feel like it was just. I didn't feel like Job, like the way that you explained mm. earlier, like Job, like I was just like, except I walked the opposite path. He was very loyal and very like, uh, you know, he kept getting kind of, you know, the short end of the stick consistently. I was opposite. I was like, I, I, I had this perspective that I was getting the short end of the stick and it made me less and less loyal, but I guess, uh, it ended up being for the better because, you know, it, it allowed me to, uh, I guess, neglect it for so long that when I found it, I was a lot more grateful for it. So it's, um, it's a funny path we all walk, man, because there's some people where even if you just mention the word of God, or you were you mention anything like that, they they just repel instantly, like they're just like, they detest it so much. And um, it's, it's, I, I like the way that you explained it as well, like all the, all the religions like the of today, like the monotheistic religions kind of do preach the similar stories of just like, how about you just treat yourself well and then start with that. And then when you see other people, try your best to treat them well as well. Like don't do things to them that you wouldn't want them to do to you. It's crazy. <laughs> look, look at the uh, the original book of laws. Let's, let's, let's talk about the 10 commandments. It's pretty fucking simple. Don't kill. Don't steal. Honor your family. Do not commit adultery. Like, Excuse me, like these are these are precepts from the Bronze Age. It's fifty five hundred years. Like people seem to under not really understand that it's not okay to commit adultery. Like that's a very very serious problem in contemporary societies. Not being loyal. And it's like people figured it out six thousand years ago that there's a massive karmic and spiritual 
debt attached to sleeping around. Like, like this is this is nuts. People make it so complicated. You said something earlier, interesting earlier. You said, I guess it ended up being for the better, which is the biggest mindset shift that's possible. Like, I I don't have any tats. Maybe that'll be my first tat. It ended up being for the better. You put that at the end of any negative experience you have, and you've won at life. You mentioned the passing of a family member. It sounds extremely painful. I'm sure it left a deep and long-lasting mark on you. And now you're able to say, whatever it is, it ended up being for the better, the rejection of God. It ended up being for the better. If folks listening take one message away, this is what mindset training does. This is what personal development does. It takes whatever it is, and it adds, it ended up being for the better. I have had a ton of pain in my life. There's no need for me to be self-aggrandizing about it, but I too have. And it used to be, why me? Now it's, of course, me. You know, this is something that I own. This is something that has helped me get to the point of processing it. We either are burdened by it and lie about it and run from it forever, as I did for a while, or we come to terms with it and we say, thank goodness I had it, healed it, and can now heal others. There's nothing better. What you and I are able to do in healing ourselves is heal others. And there's nothing better on earth than healing others of their pain. So of course we had to have had the pain to be able to heal it in others. So then there's the gratitude. Even since getting healthy, I've had various things thrown in my way, mainly about the material world, interestingly, like certain things that have happened that have taken everything from me in a material sense, but it just brought me to a greater level of spiritual awareness and spiritual awakening. And it just it ended up being for the best. It ended up being you know, the right thing. And that is such a massive unlock. It's great that you shared that. Yeah. I, um, what you're touching on is like kind of a very stoic thing. Like it, it's, it's almost from like stoic straight out of stoic philosophy. I can't remember which uh, philosopher talked about it the most. Um, but there's like this idea of be thankful that you were given this adversity because you're strong enough to overcome it. You know, when you think about the people that you love, the people around you, the people that you support, would you want them to go through that? Or would you rather you go through it, overcome it, and then help them when they face these similar adversities in their lives? Because it is kind of just part of the human experience to face these adversities, but to be thankful that you're the one strong enough to go through it. Like, and without going into like, kind of like you were saying, like kind of a, a righteous, like self-righteous way of looking at it of like, oh, I'm the strong one, so I can go through this. But it's like, you are, you know, you are strong enough to go through this. So be thankful that you get to do this so that you can support someone else when they have to as well. Because we all know that, you know, nobody's life is perfect. We're, oh, we're all going to be given these adversities. We're all going to be given struggles. We're all going to be given hard times. And it's like, don't you want to be the support for someone else? Wouldn't that make you feel great? Wouldn't that make you feel better that you get to support someone else through this? Like, if nothing else, like when you feel like there's no purpose to your suffering, like that was a big part of my suffering was feeling like there was no purpose for the suffering. And so it, one of the ways that I kind of helped myself get through those times when I would, because for me, journaling is a huge part of it. So when I would sit down and journal about, you know, and I'd find myself victimizing myself and thinking like, why is it, why me, why me, why me? You know, there was a point where I got to a position where I was like, maybe like, maybe one of my family members is going to have to deal with this. Maybe one of my friends that I love dearly is going to have to deal with this. Maybe one of my loved ones is going to have to deal with this. And so wouldn't it be great 
if the the suffering actually does have a purpose and I can help someone else, like maybe that's my position. Maybe that's my purpose in this world is to just help one other person. You know, wouldn't that make it worth it for you? That was what I would remind myself is like, wouldn't that make it worth it? Absolutely. It, it does. And it, it takes a certain individual to acknowledge suffering as a positive. I mean, the, the mindset I have now is that it all is a positive. It has to be a positive. If I interpret or internalize any external force as somehow negative, then I'm negating myself. If I interpret as a positive in that it isn't going to destroy me, it isn't going to cause me to destroy myself, and it will allow me to help someone else in the same situation, just as you're saying, then I'm automatically a winner. It's impossible to lose unless you choose to lose. It is impossible. They cannot take everything from you. And if they take your life, well, then there's, there's no discussion about what else there is to take, right? So whatever else they take from you, as long as you hold on to your soul, as long as you hold on to your spirit, as long as you don't break your word or break your character, then they can't break you. Everything else can be taken from you. And a lot of negative stuff can be given to you, but you don't have to retain it. You don't have to hold on to it. And that's another thing. People are holding on to so much. Letting go is, is massive. And I've, I've said this before. One of my mantras is unless you let it go, it won't let you go. Like whatever we're holding on to is what holds on to us. And I resented a lot of people for a long time. And I had to let all of that go to be freed from it. People think, no, I'm going to hold on to my pain. Like they want their pain. Like they love people, love their pain. They love it so much, they refuse to let it go. They let it define them, and 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 that's who they are. They're just this pained being, and they can never grow because these other people did this, and they want this pain so much that they wonder why they're always in pain. Well, you are identifying with your pain all the time, and they don't want to let it go. Letting go is massive. In letting go, you're free. You're not letting go of it. It is letting go of you when you let go of it. And Man, yeah. I love that you touched on that as well, because being being depressed and anxious and addicted was part of my identity for so long that when I was kind of letting go of all those things, it led me to a point where I was like, well, then who am I? Like, it was like a very confusing point. Yes. And that is the question. Who are you? Who are any of us? If we are playing by everyone else's rules, then we're them, right? If we're taking our cues from them, then we're doing their drugs and we're drinking their alcohol, and we're eating their food, we're going to their clubs, we're using their apps, we're hitting their, uh, was it an endorphin button, or we're hitting their uh, dopamine, dopamine button. The dopamine yeah. button, yeah. We're hitting, and then we just become them. You know, we are. I was a shell, you know, I had like a John-shaped ex- exterior that was quite unattractive and large, but inside I was mimicking them. Now uh, it's all me. They can't touch me. That's who, I know exactly who I am. And Knowing myself increases every, every day. The coolest thing about this path, I think the thing I like most about this path is not only are we able to do more each day, but our ability to do more also increases. So the graph of our output increases, but also the cap to it increases. Like when I first started, I just wanted to not kill myself. That's why I started doing this. So I, I wanted to be okay. I wanted to live like in like a very real way, not do anything that I did past that. I wanted to be okay with myself enough to the point where I was all right living. Then I was like, okay, well, I want to work on these physical attributes. Then I want to work on these mental attributes. Then I wanted to do creative stuff. Like I started the NYC food waste channel. I made you know, 75 straight YouTube videos without missing a week. And, you know, the daily postings, since I multiple day postings, that was something I hadn't even thought of is, is bringing a creative vision to light. Cause I've always been into art and artistic pursuits. And there was no way I was going to make any art 
looking and feeling the way I did, but I didn't realize that I could make art looking the way and after changing the way I looked and felt. I just wanted to live. Then after I was able to live, then the, the you know, the needle moved forward for lack of a better word and my ability to grow increased with my growth. And that is the coolest thing. So in, in doing this, we're able to ascend levels and transcend our limits and do more every day that we wake up and decide to do more. And it just starts with the decision to feel better. My biggest limiting factor when I was sick was I didn't believe I could feel better. That was the underlying thing. That was the, you know, the foundation, the cornerstone, the linchpin of all of my mental illness, and all of my obese issues and all my overeating and all my negativity. So I didn't think I could feel better. And because I didn't think I could feel better, well, then why would I choose to act any differently? I'm always going to feel this way, right? Why change my life? And as soon as I decided, wait a second, you don't have to be suicidal. You don't have to be self-loathing. You don't have to talk shit about yourself. You don't have to always be negatively thinking about the past. You can feel better. I can feel better. Okay, well, what do I need to do to feel better? Well, you need to change these habits. And it was on. Yeah, I, I wanted to... Um... I don't know if you're on like a time constraint or anything like that. I just realized that we were already like 50 minutes into this, but we, I wanted to dive into a bit of your story as well, if that's cool. A thousand percent. I can do this for 500 minutes, man. I'm, I mean, it's, I'm in the universe right now. Let's get, let's hit it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get consumed by these. Uh, I, I, I'll spend like a couple hours on them sometimes, but I, um, when when you said you it was like uh, early 2021 when you started this kind of journey was there like a rock bottom moment for you or a few like a, a moment where you were just like fuck i i need to change yeah yeah it was the it was the 19th is when i finally decided to change i mean i was if you're familiar with new york this famous subway system i'd be on the subway on the way to work you know thinking about hey it's the day my, my folks get the call like today the day I make my nephew, you know, not have an uncle anymore. Like it's today the day. And that was happening quite frequently. And, and I reached, I reached the end, or I would say I reached the beginning on January 19th, 2021. And since then I have not touched any negative substances. I have not missed any of the positive stuff that builds me. And yeah, it came from that. I guess it's a rock bottom. And if we're speaking in, in, in those terms, um, following a breakup you know a lot of these things crises precipitate change the breakup at the end of 2020 as i mentioned earlier i just plunged head first into the dopamine button like pounding that thing every chance i could get and you know you pour your you pour from 10 people's cups your cup ends up 10 times as empty i thought i was pouring from 10 people's cups and my cup was going to overflow but the opposite was true and then you know the eating and the drugs and i just went all in for so many months so many days so many weeks in a row that after a few months, and there were issues before, like there were problems in the relationship, there was problems in my life, all this was pain that I had carried for a while. And that, that's what it was, it was denial of my past, undealt with trauma, emotional work that I hadn't been willing to get through, interpersonal things in my relationships, a relationship that I should not have been in, that had a lot of warning signs that I should have ended in a way that I, I didn't, it, it finally ended, and then I was doing the why me bullshit, and just one thing led to another, and yeah, man, it got really dark really quick. And then it got a lot brighter really quick. <laughs> and, and what kind of um, like set you on the right path? Because uh, so you're sitting on the subway that day and you have all these negative thoughts. What what kind of got you on the right path? Was there like kind of a message for you that you needed to hear? Was there just kind of a, 
Like, I guess, yeah, that's a good question. Is like, what got you on the right path? I found a coach. I had been uh, listening to someone online that was making content about helping guys that were in really dark situations, dudes that were suicidal, dudes that were using drugs, dudes that were overweight. And I, the message had begun to rung, ring clear and clear in my head. And on the 19th, it rang clear as a bell. This man is going to change your life. And I would say he did. But really, we changed my life together because I had to take that step. You know, a man can make as much good content as possible unless the person on the other side of the pain barrier is interested in changing. Nothing's going to happen. But that's what it was. You know, it was a coach that had proven results in the field of self-healing. You know, he had come from a very dark place and, you know, I was in a dark place. So I made the choice and I've not looked back since. Yeah. And um, so when you first started going through this healing process, I guess like what you're saying is kind of reaching out to somebody else is, is one of the biggest things that you can you can do as a a catalyst to get yourself going in the right direction, whether that is like a coach or maybe just getting a personal trainer or just like, you know, taking a step to connect with another human being that, that might be able to relate to some of the things you're going through. Um, what were some of the ways that you started to change your life? You talked about waking up early and exercising and eating healthy. Uh, those are the three main tenets you said that, that were part of your program um, how, how did you go about like kind of developing that for yourself and instilling that into yourself? Cause obviously, um, like Steven Pressfield talks about in the war of art, you know, the resistance that we feel when we start walking a path like this, a journey like this, like the resistance that we're going to naturally feel, uh, we talked about the justifications and excuses that we make earlier. Um, walk me through, like what it was like when you first started going through this path, because you, you, it sounds like you were going through a negative time in your life. You're walking a negative path. And then all of a sudden you decided on one day, I'm I'm changing this shit. I'm not living this way any longer. Um, I'm sure there was bumps in the road. I'm sure there was speed bumps, but like walk me through what it was like when you decided, okay, I'm going to get this. I'm going to put my faith in this coach. We're going to change my life together. Like him and I, uh, maybe a, another group or community that you're involved in. I don't know. But like, what was that process like for you when you first started to change your life? A liar made honest is an extremely pained individual. There were growing pains. There were daily tears. I would, I had never worked. This is something else that, that I want everyone to know. I had never worked out a day in my life. So I was radically changing the way I dealt with my body. I was radically changing the way I dealt with my food. I was radically changing the way I dealt with my mind. And there was, an enormous amount of honesty that had to come to the surface from a pile of lies. I would finish my workout and the joy I feel now was similar then, except it was the joy of relief. I was coming to terms with myself and I would be in tears daily, multiple times a day. There was this bubbling up, maybe the first two, three, even four months, there was this bubbling up of grief and repressed trauma and repressed anger and all this negative ideation and whatnot that I had to process through that was the biggest thing. It felt like I was boiling off impurities. You know, if you boil some liquid with impurities, you know, the, the impurities come to the surface, you skim them off or they boil it off. And that's what I was doing. It was not easy. It was very simple, but it was not easy, nor should it have been. Rejecting 20 years of sin and negativity and anxiety, depression, obesity, negative self-talk, feelings of low self-worth should not be easy. 
but it was simple. It was very simple, but it came down to being honest. It is not okay to mistreat your partner. I had mistreated many partners. It is not okay to mistreat yourself. I had mistreated myself. These were massive lessons for me that I had to teach myself. And it was painful. Being honest after lying for a very long time is extremely painful, which is why most people don't do it. But it's the same pain of muscle regrowth. It's the same pain of spiritual regrowth. It's a positive pain, not the negative pain of, of killing yourself with drugs and alcohol, of wanting to kill yourself, of running from yourself, of running from your family, of avoiding necessary work, of adultery and, and, and garbage. Like that's the real pain. So yeah, I'm glad you asked. It was not easy because I had to come to terms with myself. But why should it be easy? All the easy stuff is hitting the dopamine button, ordering Uber Eats, sleeping in. All of these things are extremely easy. Everyone can, the people that are sick, you all, everyone can, I don't want anyone to have it, but I'll leave the easy things for people that want ease of whatever. And if you have an easy life, then it's not going to be that enjoyable in a spiritual way. If you want that fat, soft, comfortable life, well, then that's what you're going to have. But if you want a life of honesty, of truth, of rigor, of spiritual power, then yeah, those first couple months, you're going to have to come to terms with yourself, like real serious. And I did, but I was so interested in changing that I wanted the change so much more than I wanted the easy pleasure of all the stuff I used to do. Yeah. I think that that's a very powerful thing to think about as well as like, um, you're going to struggle and you're going to feel pain no matter what. And so do you want to do it by your decision or do you want to do it by someone else's design? And that's kind of the way that I've been thinking about it recently is like purposely struggling and purposely feeling uncomfortable, purposely feeling pain. Because if you don't do it on purpose, it's going to come about anyways. And if you want to find the purpose, like create your own purpose, because it's going to come about anyways, like you're going to feel uncomfortable anyways. I talk about that all the time, actually, as well, because like I work in construction and there's a lot of guys that work in construction that'll say things like, Oh, I get my workouts through work or, you know, they'll, they'll say things like, Oh, I'm too tired or I'm too sore or I don't want to be tired and sore tomorrow for work. And it's like, man, people, I was talking to somebody the other day at jujitsu and they were saying like, Oh, I don't know how you can train every day and then still go to work the next day when you work like such a laborious job. I'm like, man, motherfuckers will work a desk job and still complain about back pain. Like everyone's going to be in pain. So it's just choose your own pain, man. You just choose your own pain. Pain is inescapable. But these are the same dudes that, that when you say, listen, cut the excuses, guys in prison get ripped. These are the same dudes that say, well, they have all the time in the world. Like these men that they call themselves men, these people will make excuses as to why people in jail can achieve the goals that they can't. Like you, these people are lost. Dude, people are lost. When you make the excuse that this person locked up is able to do something that you're not, you have, you have lost, you are lost. But yeah, what you're describing, pain is unavoidable. It's a part of the human condition. I want the pain of awareness. Like there are a number of different types of pain. There's like the pain of regret at the bottom. And I would say at the top is the pain of awareness. Like that's what brings me pain. My biggest pain is knowing how much pain there is in the world. When I was in the pit and using and drinking and, and sleeping around, like I was regretting everything I did all the time. So that was the pain I was at. I was barely aware of my own anything. How could I be aware of anyone else's? But yeah, but you and I, it sounds like you're extremely aware of how much pain everyone is in. And that sucks. It sucks. 
it sucks. The desk job guy is complaining. The construction guy is complaining. Everyone is complaining. But yeah, what you put is is you put it very well. Is a pain of des- by design, or that essentially are you, is it circumstantial pain or is it intentional pain? I'll take the intentional pain any day of the week. I want that. Like I bring that. You no know, leg workout this morning caused me a lot of pain. It was brilliant. I loved it. <laughs> I don't regret it at all. Uh, yeah, I always my weekend days always start with like a, a good run, man. A good run and a good stretch. It's kind of like. Yeah, it's funny because I used to, I used to view like uh workouts as only things that like would bring me, like a, a physical development. Whether it was like, oh, I'm gonna improve my cardio, I'm gonna improve my, um, you know, strength with weights, or I'm gonna, you know, now uh, in the last couple of years, I've I've dove a lot more headfirst into jujitsu and martial arts. But uh, now my weekend workouts, I call them my recovery workouts where I just do like maybe 40 minutes of running and then like 15, 20, half an hour, excuse me, of stretching. And it's like, those are my recovery workouts. Like I use these workouts to recover. If I didn't run and stretch, man, like that's what keeps me moving. Like if I didn't do those things, I would be stagnant. I would be sedentary. Like sitting, sitting around on my chair like when I have to sit down and edit podcasts or, or, or edit content like this, like, man, sitting around for a couple hours, I get up. I'm like, man, I feel stiff. My back hurts. Like, I can't believe I just sat for that long. Like if I don't run and stretch, I don't, I can't move properly. And it's because your it's because your body hasn't been moving. Like I'm the same way as a man driven towards action. If I'm not taking action and the admin stuff and all that drudgery, but that's the lesson, right? The lesson here is, it is in doing the things that we dislike to get the goal that we want and edit podcasts or in my case, you know, the various work things I have to, to work on, which feels somewhat laborious, gets me the level, which I want, which is helping other people, which is being a good team member. So I hear you hundred percent. We're just not, after you move so well for so long, your body doesn't speak to you. It's an inertia. Bodies in motion, stay in motion. Bodies at rest, stay at rest. And when I was a lazy fat fuck, I was resting like a mother. I would sleep in like past noon sometimes. Dude, I would have two-day hangovers. Like I would go to these all-night raves. I lived in New Orleans, which is probably the most demonic city in the country. I've never been to Vegas, but maybe short of Vegas. Uh, I lived in New Orleans and I would go to these all-night raves, get fucked up off a half dozen different substances and I would be hungover for two days. Like I would just be a wreck the next day or the same day because it was all night. And then the following day, I would still be hungover. Like this is, this is nuts. Now it's the opposite. Now, you know, like you said, a few hours off and we're like, Oh God, what's going on. And I'm new to this. Like I, I will never, what's amazing about this path is you can constrict time. You can compress time lessons that would take months and years to do. If we're doing it the normal way in society's way, you can learn in just a few months. After a few months, I had come to terms with my dishonesty and my lies and my resentment. That's the beauty of this thing. Even you know, even a short amount of time, you know, one can learn quite a lot about this. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny how so many people from different backgrounds, um, like I come from a super athletic background. Like I grew up playing sports. I was always moving. I was always working out like through high school, through elementary school, I was playing sports. Um, but it's funny how there's what I would call like the pillars or the essentials of mental health or wellness, uh, whether it's, you know, fitness, uh, eating properly, uh, having discipline around your sleep schedule, uh, reading, journaling, self-reflection, like there's all these different things. 
um, to relationships with your loved one, how you communicate, how there's many different pillars, but it's funny how, um, so many people from different backgrounds can come and be like, there's, there's going to be like the pillars that you're naturally gifted at. And then there's going to be the pillars that you have to work more towards Mm. and fitness never really was like a, a, something that I had to struggle to achieve. It was always something that like, that was the backbone of my routine. You know, I was working out diligently even throughout my addiction. Uh, it, just cause it was something that I always did. That was the only thing that I always did was work out. But when it came to being honest, having tough conversations with myself and other people, or even simple things like reading, like reading every single day is part of my routine as well, because I never read a fucking book until I was probably 24 years old. I never finished an entire book. I would blame dyslexic. I would blame ADHD. I would blame learning disabilities. I would blame, oh, like that's for nerds to do. That's not for me to do. Like I, I, I'm not smart enough. Like I would literally claim I'm not smart enough to read. Like, that's like the fat guy being like, oh, I'm not fit enough to diet. I'm not fit enough to work out. Like, it's like the, the, the ailment that you're claiming is cured by the thing that you're avoiding. That's it. Exactly. It's like the bookworm, like your boy who claimed that he just couldn't get a six pack, that it was just impossible for him to get fit. It was impossible for him to get ripped. And it's so interesting how our paths both mirror each other and are somewhat inverted because I had no athletic abilities. I had never worked out. And all I did was read. I, I was totally lost in a sea of books and it left me near death. And it was only when I started bu- building myself physically that I came to terms with my past and was able to progress with my life. It's funny, what, everything you're saying on the other end, I <laughs> meathead, talking shit about people that go to the gym, all this negative stuff about people bodies and whatnot and narcissism and all these lies all of these lies because you only feel as good as you look is is what i said and meanwhile i was reading 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 it's exactly what you're saying and making the same excuses just on the other end i love that i, I like that we have and yet now it's amazing it's like i i i the double helix is another pattern that really speaks to me and i see this the same way you know we have this thing it's we're rotating around each other, but there are all those branches in the helix. It's it's real. And now you said you're reading every day. You pro- you Mark probably read more than I do now. Straight up, you probably read more than I do now. And there's no nothing wrong with that. But it's just amazing to go from lying and making excuses how you aren't smart enough to now reading more than someone who spent. That's all I did. I I didn't like myself. I didn't like my past. I didn't like my family. I didn't like a lot of stuff that was going on. So I just lost myself in a world of books, and it made me lost. And you made all these excuses, and now you're doing the opposite. It's so amazing to hear that and now i love training the pilot of my day is that sometimes i'll train for two hours if i'm really feeling it you know that feeling if i'm really feeling it i could go for two hours and then i could do another 150 burpees in the afternoon like that's how real it is to me in the same way that i couldn't work out i was the same thing all the excuses you said about reading dude i had them all for working out yeah yeah oh i have this back pain i have yeah, yeah, dude. I, I get that, man. I, I feel the same way, though, about getting lost in your workouts. I trained for two hours last night, actually. I woke up this morning. I'm like, man, I feel jacked up. My back's a little bit jacked up. My knees feel a little bit jacked up. I'm going to just start. Like, I woke up, and I was like, I'm just going to start the day with a light jog. And I uh threw on a podcast, went for a little jog, came home, 
did a little bit of laundry, did a little stretch, had a protein shake, ate a banana, like kind of just started my day off properly. And I'm like, man, I feel way better now. And like, uh, yeah, it's, it's funny, man. I, I get lost in it as well, man. That the idea of, of just like, man, I could train all day. I love training so much, but like I said, that's naturally where I was gravitated towards before. And so like everyone kind of has, you know, like within the pillars of, of what holds up, like, I always think of it as like, uh, like you're like a, a fortified building and we have these pillars that hold us up. And whether it is like the things I was mentioning earlier, we all have like that one area of life that we're like naturally gravitated towards, but that one pillar cannot hold up your whole building. Like you need to fortify every single part of the structure. Um, I work in construction, so it's an easy metaphor for me to think about it this way, but like you need to make sure that every part of your foundation is fortified. And so you, you can't like, um, you can't just gravitate towards the one thing. Oh, I'm just going to be fit, but I'm never going to deal with this emotional trauma <laughs> or I'm just going to deal with like, there's the other end of that as well. Like, Oh, I'm just going to deal with this emotional trauma. I'm in a journal all day, but I'm never going to treat myself properly. I'm never going to actually work out. I'm never going to eat properly. I'm never going to, you know, uh, get into healthy relationships you know, there's, there's always like the, the aspects of things that we, we want to gravitate towards, which are going to be healthy things, obviously, uh, for the most part, uh, if you're on the right path, but then there's the other things that we'll still neglect to do. Like, it's like layers of the onion of like peeling back, like, Oh, I'm on the right path. Cause I'm working on this thing, but it's like, there's probably still something you're neglecting to do. And it's endless. It is endless. The more layers of the onion that get peeled back, the more layers you real that realize there are. Even though you become better at peeling the layers, even though your capacity for growth increases, your vision of what can be increases more than your ability to do more. That is the craziest trip. The universe expands the more you travel. It doesn't. The more of the universe we map inside, the more of the universe is accessible not like we have in mapping the universe we have a greater understanding of the universe i actually probably understand less i mean i know myself more but there's more to know about myself so yeah that, that onion metaphor is real you keep peeling and you realize the onion is larger than you expect in terms of being better in all areas what personal development does is it forces you to level up in all areas because whatever level you're slacking in is going to scream at you that's why i train so hard because i know that's that's why i read so little and train so hard because I know the training is where my weakness was when I started. So I need to keep that on point. The, the macronutrient um, eating plan, the structure that I live and I teach is on point because that's what brought me pain before. The reading is great. I love it. And you know, I've done a number of cultural YouTube things on, on the books and cultural synthesis and all that is, is great. But I focus so much more on the stuff that I needed to do because I know that's what was hardest for me. It was hardest for me to train every day. It was hardest for me to understand macros. It was hardest for me to cook all my own meals. It was hardest for me to do all of these things. And that's why I'm so intentional about it. But you're right, the pillars, the structures, it's very good, you know. Uh, a building, you know, some buildings collapse because there's a particular structure that's weak. So we have to make sure we're, excuse me, strong in all areas. Yeah, it's always like um, meeting the meeting people where they are. So it's like you find the meathead like me and you're like, hey, man, why don't you try picking up a book? And you find the bookworm like you and you're like, hey, bro, put down the book. Here's your dumbbell. 
<laughs> lift it for a bit. Oh, a hundred percent. And that's pretty much what I was instructed to do. Like stop reading, start doing, look at every professor, especially in the humanities, which is what I studied. You know, we're talking English history, <clears throat> language arts, whatever book people look at them. They all have a very particular look and it ain't a good one. Like I went through university. I got my degree all of my professors had a particular look about them and it was not the man that practices jujitsu. I can tell you that. So I was, I was told very early on, put the book down, start living and you'll teach yourself so much more. three months straight, which is what a, a coaching program typical. That's, that's what I signed up for initially. That's a typical amount to see real results. We'll teach you more about yourself than four years at a private university in the U S and I put my word on that because I've done both. I urge everyone that has gone to university and hasn't done coaching, do three months in a coaching program, a serious coaching program, and actually live it, and you'll learn more than you did in your four years chasing pleasure straight up and down. You cannot chase the same feeling that you get from, from living in alignment and congruency for, for three months. You'll learn so much more about yourself. Not, you don't even have to crack a book. I mean, you can if you want, uh, but no, it's about reading the inside. Because when you know yourself, then you know everyone else, and you don't need to study because it's wisdom. Yeah, yeah, and and it's funny because uh, you talked about, um, you you said like, oh, that I probably read more than you do. It's funny because my reading regiment, like my, I I'm a pretty firm believer in like the compound effect. There's a book up by Darren Hardy, and he talks about the compound effect. I'm a huge firm believer in that, where it's like, you know, it's not like I sit down and read for hours on end. I, I use, um, that ADHD brain to the best of my ability in that, like, it's like, I, I structure my days of just like, there's non-negotiables. There's things that I have to do that are non-negotiables. And part of that is my wake up time. Part of that is not hitting snooze. Part of that is no matter what, there's going to be at least one workout a day, no matter what I, I, I set the bar pretty low for a lot of these things because I'm of the the understanding and the belief that as long as I can do these things every single day, it's going to compound to much more than if I were to convince myself, oh, I'm going to sit down and read for two, three hours a day and then do that once a week because I come up with a million different excuses as to why I can't read for three hours on a Wednesday where it's like, how about just read 10 pages a day? That's it. 10 pages a day because I know that I can commit to that. I can do that every single day. I'll read 10 times more than if I were to try to commit to doing like a full chapter a day when the chapters can be like 50 pages in a book sometimes. Like how about just commit to 45 minutes to an hour a day of workout? That's, uh, that's the bare minimum. If I go for two, congratulations, like so be it. But like let's commit to the, all the non-negotiables or just like journal one page a day, read 10 pages, exercise for a minimum 45 minutes to an hour every day, do a bit of stretching. You're going to sleep well. Like that's it. That's all the, those are the non-negotiables. And, and, and that seems to be leading me in a, in a great way. Like I, I developed this through doing the 75 hard program that Andy Frazilla talks a lot about. Uh, and, and that's kind of the way that I, I've kind of set up my life now where it's like, okay, these are the non-negotiables I have to do every single day. It's a little bit of everything that's going to keep me healthy. Like stick to my meal plan, exercise, read, journal, 
And uh, that's pretty much it for mine. Like, it's like, don't hit snooze in the morning. And, and those are like all my non-negotiables. But it's just to stick to those bare bones, like the minimum. If I exceed them, like Merry Christmas, that's like the best way to do it. But it's just to have a bare minimum of expectations for myself every single day and then not negotiate with myself or convince myself not to do them. Yeah. And um, first of all, there's so much that you just laid out. I, I want to try to unpack a few things. There are levels to this. So it isn't just the acts. All the acts that you're talking about are way beneficial. They're going to build you. But the real lesson in personal development is a structure. So even if you replace those things with bouncing a basketball or picking up the newspaper, the fact that you're able to do the same thing every day and commit to it means that you can commit to other things. Like So there's two things going on. There's the building of the body and the mind and the spirit and the good health and the spiritual alignment. That's great. But it's also the fact that you have committed to something and not broken. Because even if you took a normal average person and said, hey, I want you to do these five acts every day, and they could be whatever, touch the doorknob, go downtown, pick up an apple, turn the light on and off, they probably wouldn't do it because it would mean that they would have to commit to doing it every day. So you've taught yourself two things, all the positive stuff and getting ripped and dropping fat and building muscle and not fucking your life up and waking up early and having all the time to do the podcast. But then you've also done the commitment thing, which is the hardest thing for people to do is to choose something, stick with it and do it. And that's the beauty, beautiful aspect because we're covering both ends. Yeah. The other thing is people often talk themselves out of getting in shape because they look at getting in shape as this massive thing, but they won't necessarily talk themselves out of working out for 45 minutes. Anyone can do that, right? Well, so just do it every day or do it every day you can. Well, people are going to say, I can't lose 40 pounds. I lost 40 pounds. The old fat me before I knew that I could lose 40 pounds would have said, I can't lose 40 pounds. Okay, well, can you lose two pounds a week for 20 weeks? Yeah. Okay, well, then you can lose 40 pounds. And 20 weeks is nothing. 20 weeks is nothing. Nothing. And a good coaching program will get you to lose two pounds a week. That's what it got me to lose. And like... What you just described is so perfect. It perfectly encapsulates what matters about this, which is commitment. The acts themselves aren't super important. If they're positive acts, well, then you've committed yourself to positive acts. What people are fucked up about is they're committed only to negative acts. Like People don't miss happy hour. Like, they don't miss going to the job they hate. They don't miss staying in a relationship they're not happy in. Like people, This society teaches commitment to negativity. Like, it's not that the society doesn't teach commitment. We're just supposed to be committed to jobs we dislike, behaviors that cause us pain, relationships we don't want to be in, and self-loathing. Like, what you just described is commitment to positivity. So you get all the positivity, and you get the commitment. Like, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And 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 that's what I was trying to touch on before, is, like, when you start these journeys, these goals can feel daunting. Like, I know, like... um you know, when, for me, like, it was like the, the idea of finishing a book that was like more than a hundred pages. I was like, there's no fucking way. There's no fucking way I could do that. I'm not the guy that can do that. Like that. There's no way. And it was like, how about you just commit? Like I literally started with a, a book of stoic philosophy. The very first book that I read was the art of living. And it was like, how about you just commit to reading one page a day? Just when you get into work, I kept it in my desk. I used to manage a gym. That's what, like, I I was all in on fitness, but I was not in at all in anything else. 
And so like, I kept this book in my desk and I was like, how about just read one page a day? That's how it started. And then now I'm at like 10 pages a day. How about just read 10 pages a day? And I kept a list in my phone of every book I completed. And now it's like in my notes app, because it's been a couple of years now where I scroll through, I'm like, holy shit, I read this many books. Like that's insane to me because I still see books like I, I'll be given a book. Uh, there's not really any th- super thick books here that I'm reading right now, but I'll be given a book and I'm like, there's no way I can do this. And like, lo and behold, two months later, it's like, hey, it took me a while, but I cracked through this thing, like 10 pages a day. Sometimes I exceed that. Sometimes I go to 20 or 30 pages a day, but my bare minimum of just 10 pages, just manage that, just 10 pages a day. Like it takes, like, sometimes it takes me 40 minutes. Sometimes it takes me a lot longer. Sometimes it takes me a lot less, but it's like, just do 10 pages a day. That's achievable. And and I think fitness is the exact same. Like you said, like when people start going with that, it's like 40 pounds to lose seems daunting, but to think of it as just like, how about just create the daily habit? Don't eat bullshit and just move for 45 minutes a day. How about you just move for 45 minutes a day? You can't run. How about just walk? How about just go for a 45 minute walk? Is that better than what you were doing before? More than likely, right? Like you're going to start seeing results. And it's like, we get so demoralized because we look in the mirror after like, oh, I've been doing this for 10 days. How come I haven't done it yet? How come I don't look better yet? It's like, dude, do that for every single day for a year and tell me you don't see results. Like it's fucking impossible. And what have what has one been doing for ten years? People say that they trip because they're not they haven't dropped the weight in ten days. What did you do for the last ten years? Eat cheeseburgers and fuck your life up. Like people are so delusional. Also, the book metaphor is super on point. And reading a six hundred page book in two months is probably way faster than most people read a six hundred page book. So that intentional it's just intentional living. You're reading ten pages a day. That's intent. This book is probably six hundred pages. Right. Most people are going to spend more than two months reading this, but you knocked it. You're going to knock it out. And because you have it set up, it's about you have a goal in mind. You create a system to reach that goal. Actually, fuck goals. I'm not down with goals. You have a vision in mind, your vision, whatever it is. You create a system to achieve that vision and then you just work it. And then the timeline doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to me. But, yeah, people trip on the timeline. Ten days, I haven't lost weight. Dude, what did you do for ten years? Like what? Or the book metaphor, you know, you, I can't do this. Well, what can you do? Well, I work out every day. Well, surely you can read every day. I love that you branched out. I think that is so on point because it shows what we all can do. Every single person has a strength in some area, period. But if you have a strength in one area, it means you can have a strength in other areas. It's just people limit themselves. Like I used to limit myself in saying what I could and couldn't do with my body, what I could and couldn't do with my life, what I could and couldn't do with my income, what I could and couldn't do with my spirit. And that's bullshit because I had done all these intellectual cultural pursuits. So I just took the same effort that it took to do all the intellectual cultural pursuits and grafted it to this shit. And what do you know? Now I'm able to do everything. Yeah, absolutely. I love that, man. I, I, uh, I vibe with that quite a lot. Um, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy how these transformations happen because yeah. Dev, you, like, have you had those kind of road bumps that we were talking about? Like, since you started your journey, like, have you had those moments where you're like, man, I'm doing all this work, but the progress isn't coming? Like, did you ever feel like that? 
Dude, I lost my house in an apartment fire on August 1st of last year. That that uh felt for about two hours like a lot of progress had been lost, considering I essentially built – this is the apartment I got healthy in. I built this apartment, the physical space, to be the greatest system for my personal development. I set up a wicked home gym. I had all the food locked in. Everything, my routine was down pat. I would shoot YouTube videos on my roof occasionally uh, in the nearby vicinity. I was at my leanest point of my life. Everything was coming together. I just started, excuse me, I just started coaching others. I was totally locked in. My process was locked in. I was ready to live that system for years. And my apartment burned. So yeah, I've had some roadblocks for sure. You know what? The next day, instead of waking up at four, I woke up at 2.45 and I didn't miss my workout. And I took a meeting at my job at 11 a.m. that day, the day after my apartment burned. I took it from my parents' home, which is where I lived for the better part of a year before moving into this place. So yeah, I've had some roadblocks. I've had some speed bumps and I had a bunch of other shit happen. But dude, the apartment fire was the greatest blessing I could have asked for. The greatest blessing I could have asked for. And I'm going to speak about this at length on my channel as well, but this is a good jumping off point. It put me in a physical and emotional place close to my parents to do for them something I'd never been able to do, which is to try to help them heal in a lot of ways. COVID struck the house soon after I arrived. I didn't catch it, of course, but both them did. And what do you know? I got to heal them in that sense, be around. You know, this was a pretty bad COVID, Omicron one. So I was doing all the errands, running all that stuff. And then unpacking their own trauma as someone that healed my trauma, my family trauma. I was able to literally help my parents who are in their 70s process and unpack their own trauma. This is not an exaggeration. So yeah, what a normal person call a roadblock, a speed bump, an apartment fire was the greatest blessing I could have asked for because I had the mindset to interpret everything as a positive. So now the next person that hits me up that has just suffered an apartment fire, I know exactly what to say and do in order to show them how they can heal from it. Yeah, that's beautiful as well. Even um, the idea of like having to move back in with your parents, a lot of people will look at that and they're like, fuck, man, I can't believe I have to do this now. I can't like there, there's that mindset shift of like, again, like, why me? Why is this happening to me? Like, I've been working so hard. Why this? Why that? And it's uh, it's funny how, you know, reconnecting with your parents and being able to connect with them on a deeper level. That's something that I've been appreciating a lot more in the last year. Like, I moved into I moved back into the same neighborhood as my parents just so that I could spend more time with them because I I've been, I've been doing a lot of soul searching and thinking about you know why am I chasing so much success why am I chasing to to have a bit more freedom with my time and money etc and it's like to be able to spend time with the people you love and then I thought well why don't you just do that you you could literally just start doing that and so um yeah, reconnecting with my parents and spending a lot more time with my family has been something that I, I hold dearly to my heart, man. And I'm sure that I, I think you probably align with that as well. I know that I saw on your stories, like a lot of the times, like you're going to lunch with your parents and, and just kind of having good conversations with them about these types of things that, you know, I, I know in my family personally, it's difficult to have these types of conversations about vulnerability and about trauma and about some of the struggles that we've been through. I, I come from like the, the stereotypical blue collar Canadian uh, like household of just like the men work in construction and play sports and, and like depression. What's that anxiety? What's that? You know, <laughs> like it's, it, we don't have those types of conversations. And so to be able to open up about those things and, and, uh, 
maybe they use a different vocabulary to describe those things, but you know, my dad's an entrepreneur as well. And so being able to ask him like, dad, did you ever feel like anxious? And he's like, not really. No. I'm like, did you ever feel like, you know, scared that you weren't able to provide for a family of five on your own business? He's like, Oh, every fucking day. I was scared every single day. And it's like, okay, we felt similarly. We just use a different vocabulary for it. Right. I'd be like, do you ever feel like giving up? He's like, yeah, of course I wanted to just quit and get like a safe job, a union job or something like that. Like, I'm like, why didn't you? He's like, I wanted to have more freedom. <laughs> I wanted to be an entrepreneur so that I could take my kids camping if I wanted to or coach their sports teams if I wanted to. And it's like, okay, we definitely walked similar paths. We might use different vocabulary to describe it, but this is the human experience. This is the thing that all you know, in this specific term, like that men go through, but I'm sure that, you know, this is something that all humans go through as well. Yeah. And it's just our willingness to be honest about it. In terms of family stuff, my upbringing was relatively chaotic and I held so much resentment against my parents. That's the way the story I was telling myself that a lot of the problems I had was someone were someone else's fault, were the fault of my parents for all these various victimized reasons. After I moved past that and I developed the philosophy of one's pain may have been caused by others, but they, I have to get this right. <clears throat> there's a huge difference between pain caused by someone and someone being responsible for your pain. So there's only one person responsible for our pain, and that's us. I'm responsible for managing my pain. I'm responsible for processing it. I'm responsible for dealing with it. Even though someone may have caused it, it's no one else's responsibility. I used to think it was other people's responsibility. You know, some, you know my upbringing was chaotic. My parents' responsibility to deal with the shit that they gave me. That's nonsense. It has been, will continue to be my responsibility. And in making it my responsibility, when put back in a situation where I'm in close proximity to my folks, because I had totally been responsible for myself and my pain, I'm now able to help them be responsible for their pain. Because of course, trauma doesn't just occur. People traumatize others because they are traumatized. So yeah, my folks are carrying, everyone is carrying issues. Whether or not they dealt with them is the only thing. So yeah, I mean, it was a massive blessing and it sounds like your folks, everyone deals with the same thing. You know, the language that your dad uses, the same language that is slightly different, but it represents the same issues that, that you and I deal with. And that's so real. It's great to be able to have those conversations. There's nothing better than being way open with people that you used to be way close with. I was running from them so much. I was running from my family. I was running from my past. I was running from myself. And and now I'm not running from a goddamn thing. I'm just around. I'm present. I'm running to them. Like I ran, all right, my house burned down. Great. Well, it's time to dive into this family trauma. Oh, well, I, I'll be here for as long as I need to. And I was I was living there till, till this month. Yeah, I, I closed on this house in late last year and it, it got ready in February and I just moved in and massive blessing. I found this place while living there. I would not have had a fire under me to find this place, which is perfect. Had I not had the fire at my apartment, dude, it's all a blessing. It's all a blessing. Yeah. And that place looks pretty sweet, man. Just looking at that place. It looks like it's set up great. I love, I love the little backdrop you have of like the, the, the books in the background and they're organized by color. My man, that looks awesome. I love Thank it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, what speak to me about like, uh, the discipline of having the routine that you have right now and, and what that means to you of like the early wake ups, like when you wake up, uh, what your workouts look like and, and why you think that that was such a powerful part of your recovery. Um, 
one of the things you said earlier before I, I go to that question actually is uh, something that rings true in uh, the philosophy of like AA or NA, like Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, uh, having gone to those meetings before. Um, one of the things you said is is one of the very common themes that they have there, which is, uh, remember, you didn't get here in a day, so your recovery won't happen in a day either. Easy does it. Like, just to remember that easy does it. Like, this is a this is a marathon, not a sprint. And, and that's one of the things that I appreciate so much about what you were talking about. Um, but I wanted to ask you um, as well about your routine and, and why, it, why it, your routine means so much to you and what you get out of it. Certainly. To the first point, this is a process, not a product. People are obsessed with products. Everything has been commodified. There are products for everything. So everybody wants a product that they can buy, ingest, and be done with it. This is not a product. Is a process. You live the process, and then the process lives in you. So this is not just something that's here and gone. And that's for the better. You all think you probably want, people think that they want some product to ingest and be done with. Well, if you do that, then you're just going to excrete it like every other product. So that's the first point. The second point is my routine is as follows. Before I wake up, uh, there's some discussion on my channel. I make content, whatever is on my mind, from about, I don't know, four 30 to 445. Um, then I uh, post, make a post. This is essentially my journal entry to the world, my gift to the world, which is a post or a reel, you know, I'll post on my IG page. Uh, then there'll be some journaling, you know, ideation about what's going on in my world. And then I'll go straight into the workout. And then I will start my day. Then at following that will be what most people believe of as starting their day. The, the work, you know, nine to five, whatever various projects I'm involved in. I have a number of gears turning, um, you know, nutrition and whatnot, but it's really that a morning process that grounds me and connects me to myself and the universe. Early morning, wake up, 4 a.m., connection to the universe, connection through social media, making stories, post on my wall, you know, giving freely of myself, you know, that real abundant, grateful life, because I'm extremely grateful for social media. I'm extremely grateful for this process, I'm extremely grateful for the transformation I've undergone that I have to give back. You know, I feel compelled. Knowing the answer to all these issues and not putting it out there is, would be incredibly selfish. So that's part of the process. And then I live my day in various work projects, creative projects, intentional nutrition, second workout in the afternoon. And in living so intentionally, it's given my life meaning. Big issue people have is they have lack of meaning in their life. They're chasing short-term meaninglessness, bullshit, pleasure and vices and then they feel like oh my life is meaning why am i here let me just drown myself in more of this when you live so intentionally there's so much meaning behind everything we do if you care a lot about insert activity then that's what your life is going to be based on when i cared about drinking and partying well then that's what i cared about that's what i thought was giving my life meaning but it was awful it was awful it gave me nothing now that i care a lot about these things that do give my life meaning well my life is full of meaning yeah, I love that a lot, man. What um what do you think was the the biggest part of your routine that you got the most reward from? If if someone was like, Okay, I'm gonna instill one of these habits today, uh, what do you think was the the most important habit, the part of your routine that affected your life the most? The eating. It's I my channel, I'm NYC Foodways for a reason. Foodway is a cultural experience through food. It's a cultural pathway through food. And we've been robbed of all of the foodways that build us. 
local agriculture, you know, self-sustained ecosystems that provide us with what we need, mind, mind, body, and spirit, you know, a real holistic way of eating. That's a fundamental thing, connection with the earth. Food is our, our last connection with the earth, but even the connection we have with food is horribly short-circuited and terrible. So if I were to impart one of the habits, it would be intentional eating. Because when you eat intentionally, you live intentionally, you have to. If you're thinking about your meals, if you're weighing your food, if you're eating clean, if you are buying local, which I encourage when, when folks can afford it, when you are living within the way that you have eaten, when you're eating within the way we've eaten for millennia, you know, according to what our bodies need, then you begin to live that way. It's, it's transcendent. Engaging in holistic food ways, engaging in an intentional eating program, engaging in macronutrient-centered consumption is the cornerstone of all of this. It is, I hate to say that any one pillar is more important than the others, but I would say that the food for me was the most impactful just because my relationship with food was so whacked out when I was fat and disgusting. Yeah. And I'd say that that's the, um, one of the, um, like food addiction is one of the things that still haunts me to this day of like, when I find myself like binge eating, like processed foods, I'm like, oh, this is some other shit that's manifesting this way. That's the way I think about it all the time. It's like, oh, my life's going down a slippery slope right now. And I can see that by the way I'm eating. And it's usually another another issue that's manifesting in that way, if that makes oh, sense. Yeah, absolutely. If you're over-consuming anything, it's a representation of a lack of something else. When we over-whatever, it's because we under if we over something negative, then we under something positive. If there is a lack in our life when we are over consuming something or drinking or overeating. It's because we are not loving ourselves in a certain way or that we feel like there's something missing or we're stressed and stress comes from an unrealized desire. Anxiety is unrealized desire. We feel depressed. So absolutely, if you're overeating or you're over consuming or overdoing anything, it's because you are lacking in some other area. Yeah, I love that a lot, man. I um I think that's actually a beautiful place to start wrapping this up. Um just out of respect of your time and and uh and just kind of uh getting after the rest of the day, but I uh before we wrap this up, I wanted to ask you if you have any closing thoughts or anything that you wanted to kind of chat about that we didn't get the chance to chat about or if you have any positive message that you want to share with anybody listening right now. Um just kind of give you the chance to uh once again plug plug where you can be found so that people can check out your content some more. But also, uh, this is just like an, an open opportunity for you to just kind of bring up anything that we didn't get to bring up yet. Absolutely. We covered a lot. And I'll end with this, that the pit, which is what I refer to as the internal mental state that I was in for a long time, the pit can be escaped. It may seem dark. It may seem bottomless. It may seem endless. But as someone who was in the pit and able to escape, I can tell you that no darkness is without light. It is possible to heal. It is possible to move through anything you're going through. It is possible to move past the pain of your past. It's possible to come to terms with whatever negativity you're running from. It's possible to no longer live in denial. It's possible to accept that which was given to you without your consent. It's possible to accept that which was taken from you without your consent if you begin to give to yourself. If you begin to take positive steps for yourself, it is possible to bring that which you never had. It is possible to bring that which you always wanted to yourself. 
but it starts with your willingness to take that step to acknowledge that you can feel better, that you can do better, that you can live better. If you need help with any of this, you can find me at NYC Foodways on Instagram. Shoot me a message. Let's get your life on track. John Katz, everybody, NYC Foodways. Thank you very much, brother. I appreciate this. And uh, I'm looking forward to connecting uh, with you again. I think that uh, this could be a regular occurrence on the podcast, man. Um, yeah, for anybody that's still listening to this, uh, reach out. Let us know what you think. Message John, message myself. Uh, maybe some topics you want us to chat about next time. Um, but on that note, thank you very much, uh, everybody listening to this. And thank you very much, John, man. I appreciate your time. Appreciate your energy and I appreciate your story and your journey. I think a lot of people will be able to relate to it. And I think that, um, yeah, whether they come from the background of like myself where they had like the fitness background and they need to do a little bit more of like the self-reflection, the reading, the journaling, or they come from a background like you where they were doing more of like the bookworm stuff and they need to get into the gym, they need to get outside and they need to start moving more and paying attention to what they're eating. I think that that's... um. I think that that's the valley where everybody finds themselves in of like gravitating towards one section of life that, that will be, you know, healthy for them, but chasing that so much to a detriment where it, they neglect the rest of life. And I think that that's kind of where a lot of us find ourselves uh, without, you know, when people speak about balance, they, they think about, oh, well, I need to balance hard work with watching Netflix and drinking a bottle of wine when really when we talk about balance, it's supposed to be like balance of things that are positive for us. And I think that that's kind of one of the uh, overlooming ideas of this entire episode. I think that that's uh, one of my biggest takeaways from it as well. So I appreciate you a lot, man. I, uh, I appreciate this uh I don't know how long it's been, hour and 40 minutes that we got to chat just now. But, um, yeah, I'm thankful for this, man. Much love, Mark. It felt like an, a minute and 45 seconds, and that is what we are about. We are about taking positive action, which makes two hours feel like two minutes. Much love to you. Much love to everyone listening. Much love from New York City. We are all in this together. Peace. Oh, yeah. Much love and peace out. Peace out.